0: This is The Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are our regulars, Jim Spence and Sean Hamilton, who thought your career would peak like this, Sean, it'd be called a Talking Football regular. There we go, anyway. It's an honour. What an honour indeed. We're, uh, I suppose, we're... I'm not going to start with Saints and Dundee, actually, just, just because... <laughs> Because uh, let's start. Let's start with uh, a bit more, a bit more positive news. Some upbeat news. Dundee United have, have won a couple of games. They've turned a wee corner. They've uh, all of a sudden they're what four points away from fourth, I think it is. So certainly back in touch with the, the part of the table they want to be in touch with. Late win always helps. And yeah, all all in all, Jim, you were at the game. United will be feeling better about themselves again.
1: Yeah, and um, I think, to be honest with you, Eric, I think they've got <clears throat> many good reasons to be feeling better about themselves. As you say, you know, two, two wins in the bounce in the cup at Kelly, which was always liable to be a, a pretty tough um, match. But uh, a good one, uh, albeit a late one, um, against Ross County. And it could have gone either way, because Ross County um, certainly put them under a fair bit of pressure, particularly in the second half and some kind of very tidy performances um, uh, against uh, United, um, in particular from uh, uh, Charles Cook and, and Joseph Hungbo, two players who I really like and they've got lots of pace. But United oh, withstood class. them. Uh, uh, really quick, Honestly, I hear they're already attracting attention elsewhere. But I thought there were lots of good things that came out of the performance. Um, Seekers did a couple of uh, good saves. I thought, generally speaking, um, um, Tony Watt in particular was absolutely excellent. Um, I'll address that in a column this week. I think, you know, if he maintains that kind of form, there's no reason to suppose he won't. I think he will prove to be a very, very good buy indeed. No, I mean, he's not only a goal, he's not a classic striker in there. You know, he's not a classic target man in that respect. He kind of plays wide to the left, but he takes a goal, as we know from his um, top scoring exploits at Motherwell. But he brings people into play beautifully, he's got a bit of pace about him, he's got a bit of trickery, he delivers a a very mean cross indeed, the ball's never far from his feet, he exhibits terrific control and he's got really, really good vision as we saw with the very first kind of opening ball from the left hand side in the opening minute of the game, you know, a great cross to McNulty which McNulty somehow or other contrived to miss. Practically on the goal line at the far post, so I thought there were a lot of good things that, that, that came out of the game. Um, it wasn't the most fluid of performances that I've seen from them, but what it indicated to me, I think, um, was that you know we, we kind of wondered why United have gone from this terrific run, um, in the opening kind of you know ten games or whatever the season, into this big long run of defeats. I, I think you know midweek indicated to me that the, the, the ability and the depth of squad uh, and the quality is still there. Um, to recoup some of that lost ground again and get themselves back. As you say, they're sitting at level level with Aberdeen, not far off fourth. I think uh, in that respect, you know... and. and and they've got a bit of quality, but they were able to bring Niskin and on Clark going from the bench and bigger Perry. I just I keep waiting on Louis Perry to, to to burst into the kind of player I think he can be, you know. So I thought there were a lot of good things. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a fabulous performance uh, in midweek, but I thought it was good. It was solid. Everyone was working at, at, at the game. Levitt wasn't um, as crisp in terms of his passing, or his range, as I've seen him. Fuchs wasn't wasn't quite as kind of. Um, you know, lively in the midfield, digging in about people and all the rest. Harks hasn't quite found the fluency that he was finding for a while, but they were all all decent. They were all decent. And I think that what they've needed to do with these last two results, basically, is grind them out. And I think it it, it bodes well for the future, I think, for the the remainder of the season.
0: And Sean, you know, one of the players that that Jim didn't name-check there, I think credit where it's due, because I think we were all heavily critical of him few months or a couple of months ago whenever it was when Celtic glass came to tanner ice Callum Butcher you know I think people were maybe writing him off as a as a Dundee United player weren't they but he's uh these are the type of guys you want to come in you know and and make an impact when they get a chance boys on the fringes because he's not a first team regular anymore is he?
2: No um he, he he looked for a time as if he might have um I was going to say played himself, <laughs> played himself onto the fringes, <laughs> but maybe uh, fouled himself onto the fringes at one point. Or, uh, But I, I, no, he's he's, he's certainly, he, I mean, he's had his, um, his bans, what have you, I think it's five games that he's missed through through suspensions, and he, he's obviously come back in, um, whether it necessity or, or by choice, um, against Kelly and, and done really well. Um and yeah, it's kind of one. Of, it's a nice wee redemption story, I suppose, uh, for a guy who looked like he uh, he might have got himself in some bother, perhaps with his manager, uh, perhaps with the his, um, his his spell at United. Maybe you know, it wouldn't have shocked if he'd gone this
0: month, would it? A no, a few weeks don't ago, think so or-
2: no. Not off the back of uh, of the incidents that we, they that were sort of discussing, the, the disciplinary ones and the red cards and that. It, it would have shocked you at one point. but So the fact that he's come back in and, and has... Uh, I don't want to talk about him as if he's some sort of nutcase, but it, like <laughs> kept the head. He's kept the heat. Right? And, and he, he hasn't just done that. He's actually proved himself to be as useful as I think we we all thought he could be. And, and he's shown that he can be before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 pleasing um, for him because he does he does give you something. Callum Butcher in the middle of the park, it's it's a different something to what John Dufus gives you, or, or what Ian Hark gives you, or what Dylan Levitt gives you. But he, if if you need if a game or a situation is, is calling out for a bit of dig or someone someone to run around causing havoc, uh, then he is very very adept at it. But um. You know, he's a decent footballer as well, so it's 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 pleasing to see him come back. And I would imagine that that Tam Courts will be pleased as well, um, because I don't I don't doubt for one second that, that there would have been discussions about sort of approaches to games and and. And indeed, keeping the heat, as we discussed, and uh, oh, yeah, he let his manager. I, mean, I think though, you didn't can. I? I mean, he did. Yeah, so I think him coming back in and, and performing the way he has, I think that's that's that'll be pleasing for Tam Courts as well because it, it suggests that that, that that he's listened, you know, and um, that's that's what you want from a player. So yeah, yeah, good good for Callum Butcher. Um, uh, we'll come on to St. Johnson later, but funnily enough, thinking about what they need in midfield, I think I, I would take him in a heartbeat because that's exactly what Watson Johnson needs.
0: Indeed, but uh, another man that he's kind of, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not his biggest fan, but you have to, you can argue with the impact he's made for Dundee United over the last couple of years. Nicky Clark, can you can Jim? Can when I say I'm, I am do not that sounds bad. I'm not his biggest fan. I kind of am in a way because I don't think, I think I think he has limitations, but he, he he's, He's had some big, big moments for United, hasn't he? And he he certainly knows how to take a penalty kick. And that header was there was a lot to do with that header. You know, a lot of a lot of target man, centre forwards would be proud of proud of that.
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, he, he, he made a remarkable impact because, you know, when they come on, they've gone behind to the, the the Charles Cook goal and about eight minutes into the restart, you know, up he pops with the penalty and um, took it well. Um, and the header was lovely. You know, he, 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 he kind of, he timed his jump uh, perfectly. It was just neatly beyond the reach of the keeper, kind of that two thirds way up. Uh, no keeper clawing at that from a, a mid-standing position in the middle of the goal is going to get near it. So he took it well. and I, I mean, I like Clark. I like Clark at Dunfermline. I thought he was very lively. He's he's one of these players, again, I think, who's sometimes underappreciated. Maybe this is evidence, you know, we were talking about it, um, Eric. I mean, he's He's not an out-and-out striker, um, but he can take a goal. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a good link man. He's an intelligent player, I always think, Clark. You know, he's, he's got a, a decent, in, in the parlance, he's got a decent engine. He's not a flying machine, but he's not slow. Um, he, he links well with players. He, he, he's, you know, he grafts really hard. I think in many respects, he's got all the, all the attributes of the modern professional. And, I mean, I, I don't think Nicky Clark ever lets you down. Um, uh, w- w- when he's playing, I mean, you know, he, he might not steal the show, although he did in midweek. Uh, we coming on with the two goals, but I don't think he's the kind of player that ever lets you down. I don't think you'd ever be frightened to to start or bring a uh, Nicky Clark on from the bench. I mean he it, does he have limitations? Well, let's be honest. I mean, you know, outside of Messi and and, and you know and Ronaldo and <laughs> half a dozen top world performers, most players have got limitations of some kind or other. You know, so I mean, I think his, his limitations would be. Um, could be over-exaggerated. I think he's a very useful player. At the level of the Scottish Premiership, Nicky Clark's a very decent player uh, indeed. And he, he takes the penalty well, as you say, and he took his goal very, very well. I mean, not a particularly tall player, but the jump, the way it was executed... His positional sense, everything about it, uh, was first class. I mean, you know, you know, I'm, you know, my personal views, you know, they're actually crying out for an old fashioned John Daly type figure, a target man. Um, and if they ever do get them, you know, the likes of Watt and Clark can can potentially link up beautifully with our it, You know, um, but in the meantime. I, I think Clark is a is, is a great addition. I mean, by and large, I have to say, he, for me, he would normally actually be in my starting lineup. You know, I, I, I'm an admirer of Clark and have been for a long, long time. If you take him for what he is, not an out-and-out striker, but a player that can score, um, you know, a decent chance presents itself, can link up well, can provide, uh, and all of the rest of it. And, and, he, and he always gives absolutely full commitment.
0: Yeah, I mean, Sean, he's... He's the type of he's the type of player a manager will love because because of his versatility and, and maybe it's because of his versatility and the fact that he's 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 not perceived as a natural number nine that he maybe does get away but his talents do get a wee bit underappreciated you know one of these fill filly-in type players are kind of every club has them don't they but then you just look when you go over his highlights reel and his stats they're, they're there to be you know there to be applauded aren't they.
2: Yeah, um, this—I mean—he's—he's he's of, he's of a particular type of striker, I think. Um,
0: I mean, I think it's sorry, short, I think he was when when he signed for United. so I, I, I think he was perceived as a striker. It's only kind of when he's been at United that he's suddenly become. You know, is he a number ten? Is he a striker? Isn't it? Because he certainly was when he banged in the goals at Queen of the South, and he certainly was when when Rangers signed him, and I think Don as well. He wasn't there for that long. It's just kind of in recent seasons, isn't it? It's maybe when Shankland arrived, and all of a sudden you think, oh, "What is he now?" You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some versatility there, and it's maybe it's maybe a, by virtue of, of just sort of becoming more experienced and getting a bit older as well. Because you often see that with 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 good players who sort of adapt their game as they as they progress through their career. Um, and obviously, there has there has been a wee bit of that with, with Nicky Clark as well. But I mean. If he if, if indeed he has sort of shifted from a from a number nine type to a number more a number ten type over the years, what he does still give you at that number ten type, and that's sometimes difficult to find at, at sort of Scottish Premiership level beyond Rangers and Celtic as as goals as well. So he'll do he'll do the donkey work if you like. He's he's a willing sort of runner uh, of channels and, and he'll hold the ball up and you know, he'll will do all that sort of dirty stuff, but he'll still pop up with. With sort of 10 plus goals a season for you easily um because quite clearly he still got that the, the the instinct of the of the more pure sort of number nine type uh that he was earlier in his career so actually he's, he's morphed and uh, an, uh, an incredibly sort of versatile and, and useful player uh over yeah, the years, it'll give him so a, a long
0: skipped... career as well. Sean want it, you know. You Aye. can you think of your your Stephen Dobies. It'll it'll give him a when he drops when he drops down a level eventually. Absolutely, no sign of it happening just now. I think he'll 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 get a few years at the, at this, maybe not the top level, but cert, you know well into his thirties. You would think.
2: Yeah, if he if if he fancies it, then absolutely. And uh, I, I mean another part of that is conditioning and looking after yourself as a player as well. And you mentioned Stephen Dobie there, and he's a, he's a prime example of that because I think earlier in his career, and, and this is not applicable to Nicky Clark at all, but earlier in Stephen Dobie's career, he the problem that he had was, despite all the ability that, that he obviously had, he, he wasn't the best. And I think he's acknowledged this himself. He, he wasn't the best at looking after himself in terms of his lifestyle and, and how he approached things. But as he got, as his career went on, that improved immeasurably, and, and by the end of it, well, at the end of it, he's probably still going. <laughs> uh, at at he, this point, yeah, he's he probably
0: is somewhere, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: by this point, you know, he's, he's living the life of a, a sort of 24 7 athlete, you know, uh, which you need to do if you want to prolong your career at, at a decent level as a, as a footballer, and you're up against sort of 20, 21, 22 year old guys, and you're pushing towards 40 then you're going to have to make sacrifices and, and really really look after yourself and uh, and if that's something that Nicky Clark fancies if he's got the if he's got the stomach for it then there's absolutely no reason that he, that he, he can <laughs> the, the 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 sort of versatility that he's got in addition can't allow him to have a have a, a good good few years yet if he's uh, if he fancies it.
0: Yeah, and Je- Stephen Doby's one. I think Stephen McLean's another one that that's kind of comes into my mind when you're thinking of how where Clark is now and where he could go. He's... You can see both type of players in him, can't you?
1: Yeah, listen, Diggy Clark's just a boy. I mean, he's only he's only thirty. I mean, it's what one of the great bugbears of my life is that you know there's a couple of things happen to players once they're thirty. They start to be, become described as veterans, and people start to wonder about when they're going to hang the boots on. I mean, you know, the, the man Dobby that we're talking about what a, and what a player he's been over over the years. And and Sean's right, you you know, in, in terms of. Players getting older and becoming more experienced, learning either their craft, but also learning how to live better and live more properly. I mean, Dobby's still playing, isn't he? He went away down to join, uh, was it filed on the uh, Lancashire coast, as, as I recall it, in the Blackpool area. So, I mean, it's 38, he, last day I can remember, he was still knocking on. So, Nike Glasgow potentially eight, eight years oh, ahead of him. He'll
0: be going longer than Stanley <laughs> Matthews.
1: <laughs> I don't think he'll be knocking about in Blackpool Beach until he's 52, 53. But, um, you know, that that that's a. Uh, that's the kind of potential I think that a player like Nicky Clark, has. I he means a very fit-looking player. He doesn't, you know, he's very very lean. Look, like you, you would expect that. You know, there are, you know, there are one or two professionals uh, these days who have, have let themselves slip. You know, and we don't have to drift too far from the Dundee area to see that. But I mean, Nicky Clark certainly not one of them. I mean, he's a very fit player. He's a lithe looking player. He's only thirty. I mean, uh, and he, I just I think he's learned his craft better and better as years go on, which happens to to players comes from a good pedigree as well. I mean, I worked with Omar fact, I, I worked with his mum Liz uh, on the radio uh, in the past. You know, a good family, a good folk. He's and he's a good, good player. He's a good professional. I mean, I think uh, he, he's a great addition to any squad. And he certainly, you know, I, I, I mean, it, at times has looked on the periphery of of plans. But then it's a squad game. You know, Tam Court runs a runs a squad game, and it's a squad game nowadays. So I think uh, he's he, he's certainly he's, he's never underrated in my book. I have to say.
0: Well, we'll we'll slip seamlessly into the. Uh the derby chat once we get into into Dundee Sean but before that obviously united have got celtic and I I wonder what I wonder what the sort of the mindset is of Tam Courts on this one now you know there's there's nothing like the pressure they would have been had they had they lost at Kilmarnock and potentially lost to Ross County show and then you have the derby that's that's coming just after does he even think about mixing his team up a wee bit
2: yeah it wouldn't shock me at all um i probably would uh, under the circumstances because um i mean it, the, the derby is clearly the the the, the <laughs> The more the more the points are more likely to be available in that one to him. Yeah, the more um, achievable,
0: yeah,
2: exactly. So that that I hesitate to say priority because it's always it's always the game that's in front of you that's the one you're concentrating on. But but certainly the derby is uh, is more valuable potentially to them. I think um, they did go to Celtic Park earlier in the season and, and get a point, which was a, their first one there in a in a good good long time. Um, which was which was excellent, but I think Celtic are are different now. Um, I think this this Celtic side have, have, have sort of grown into themselves a bit. They've grown into what Ange Postecoglou wants them to do. They've had a few tasty additions as well, um, like Sirio Hatati. I don't know if you've watched him, by the way, but I saw a, a video compilation of all of his touches uh, against Hearts, which was his debut. And good lord, he is. An absolute Rolls Royce of a footballer. Oh, and the Excellent. goal!
0: Did you see the pick? Did uh, Did you see the pick of the of the goal that Craig Gordon was still diving mm. when it hit the net? It was a tat at your Incredible!
2: House. Yeah, he's he's a really really good player. So, uh, I think if you if you've got a side who are sort of growing into a, a game plan under a under a manager, uh, and you can add quality like that, uh, that's that's really impressive. So, I, I think United will meet a, a very different Celtic. Uh, to the one that they did earlier on in the season, so um, I, 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 I tend to think that I, I don't—I have never really seen Tam Courts so far this season as a, as a sort of as a defensive manager in the style of Mickey Mellon, for instance. I don't ever get the sense that that, that he sends them out to contain or anything like that. First and foremost, I, I always think there's there's a bit of go and play your game to the way Tam Courts puts his teams out. Um, I don't think that'll be any different uh, at Celtic. Part I do. I mean, to be honest, I think that's probably your your, your best chance of getting at the Celtic side is to is to put them under or try to put them under a bit of pressure if you can. Um, because if you, I, I get the impression that if you do just sit back, then they, it will just be wave after wave, and they will break you down, and they will get through you. So it's it's maybe one where Tam Courts' approach, uh, to games actually. Actually so gives United a, a, a bit of a chance more so than than another manager's um, approach might do. So that'll be an interesting one. I, I, he may well choose to to shuffle a bit, but I think we, it, there's not a there's not an enormous amount of depth there. So I don't think we would be looking at sort of four or five changes again. I know he's done that against Kilmarnock and what have you, but I, I, I can't see that happening again. Maybe 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 more slightly more conservative in his in his changes, but um. Certainly, with one eye on the Derby, but yeah, uh, I, I reckon they'll go there and go for it. But but certainly they'll have a they'll have a tough time because Celtic are Celtic are, seem to be rising.
0: And if Jim, if if he could get one more, if if you if you could get one more player in... For United to strengthen the team, what position would it? What position would it be?
1: Um, well, you know, you, you've heard me saying there. I'd like, I really like the idea of a target man. Um, it, it also depends, Eric, on whether they lose anyone. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility yet that they might lose someone. Um, you know. The, the, Fuchs is the obvious one, isn't it? Yeah, might the last one I'm going to say. Might they lose Fuchs to to, You know, a a, a late bid. I mean, the window's got a wee bit to go. yet. not not much, but you know, as we record on the 28th, there's a there's a few days still to do a wee bit of work here. So, might they lose Fuchs? Might they lose a Sigrist? I don't know. You know, I mean, um, I I I I think United are actually not that badly off. I mean, even on you know, midweek, Edwards and and uh, what do you call them? Butcher you know combined the central defence I thought they did decently as well I think not too badly offered defenders or decently offered for midfielders probably arguably decent offer attackers just not enough of them score goals um, but now they've brought Watt into remedy that. I like the idea of a target man um, w- whether you can get one uh, is arguable at this stage unless you're going to pay money I suspect it's highly doubtful so if one was coming in personally I, I like the idea of a target man where you get one from is another thing another thing entirely just to touch on what, what Sean was saying there, he was right. I mean, I think there's two things that he, that he said quite correctly. Celtic, I think, are a different animal under Ange Postecoglou. I think there's a there's a confidence, there's a bit of a, not a swagger, but there's a bit of kind of a bulliance about the side. Um, they've got lovely touch and movement, we know that. And the Japanese lads that they signed all look just sweet, sweet players. You know, they've got lovely movement. and um, You know, I always think back to Big Stephen Tweed, who still lives in the Dundee Big Tweed, he used to say... I think he didn't understand why more clubs didn't look at the Japanese market and looking at the values Celtic seem to have got. I, I can understand why. But the thing is, you know, I mean, in the game at Parkhead, I think Celtic is somewhere like 64%, 65% possession. The last time they met, when United were swept away, frankly, 3-0 at Tanadise, it was 72% possession. So you kind of need to set your side up uh, mainly, I think with players that kind of um, very fit, work very hard, will shut them down, close down space, all of these things, which is all very difficult to do. It sounds great on in theory and on a podcast and on paper and all the rest. Of it. It's very, very difficult to do when you've got players with that wonderful touch and movement and you know speed of thought who are just fractionally quicker. If, you know, if they were on the same level as United, they'd be playing at Tannery, so They'd be playing at Easter Road or something like that. But they're not. They're playing at Celtic because they've got that fraction um, and sometimes more um, about them. So you you, you need that. But when United did um, did do so well early in the season at Parkhead, um, they played not not quite counter-attacking, but they were very very quick when they did break. So you need also players who are, are lively enough to, when you do win possession or break up Celtic attacks, to be able to kind of, you know, um, sw- switch switch very quickly from you know defensive mode into attack. So I mean, it's it's a it'll be a battle of wits, I think. Um, and I think you know United have the personnel to equip them uh, equip themselves quite well. They're equipped, I think, to to handle the challenge they will face, but it will be a very, very difficult one indeed, up against the movement to touch and all the rest of it. Now, I doubt very much if they're gonna have that target manner like in between now and the kickoff at Parkhead tomorrow, you know. So they've got to make do and mend with what they've got. Um very, very difficult one. The Derby will be an entirely different uh, kettle of fish, you know, in terms of possession and all the rest of it. But no, I mean, you know, two things. Sean's right with that, what he said. Um, I, I, and it, what would I do if I could? I think a, a, a traditional style target man, somebody with a bit of physique, somebody you could launch a ball into, play along diagonals into, um, good at corner kicks, good at set pieces, you know, somebody who's there, who's decent in the air, who's got physical presence about him in the box or in and around the box. And that would be what I would want, but there's very very few of them to the pound available.
0: I mean, Jim, you were you were at Tannadice on in midweek, and I'm uh, I'm uh, self isolating at <laughs> home, so neither of us were uh, ne- ne- neither of us were at Mcdermott Park, yeah. but we got we got the gist of the game, and it was important from. <laughs> You can you can overstate it, but it was it was important for St. Johnson in particular just to stop the bleeding, just to change, just to change the narrative, you know, because it was it was all getting out of control. You know, when you get to when you get to to ten defeats and in and the, in the, on the bounce, and bet you can you, you know, I think what two of them, are, you know, you know, you've got games against Rangers, Celtic in there, you have got a League Cup semi final in there, you've got Hibs, Aberdeen, so you know. Not all of them were against, obviously against teams in around. round, you know, that they, they had a realistic shot of winning. But anyway, you know, 10 defeats on the bounce, they just needed to do something to, to, to stop that and reset. They got that. So, you know, Callum Davison's got to sell it as a positive and has got to try and, you know, say, look, this is, we have this and we build on it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you've got to take your positives where they come or where you can find them, Eric. And I mean, you know, when you've been on a long kind of run, when there's been a tranche of of defeats and, and, you know, you're kind of staring into the darkness. I mean, you know, managers, and particularly younger managers, you know, you know like Sir Callum and, and James McPeak and the Tam Courts they're, they're, they're still relatively young men and, and, and they're learning their trade you're learning your trade all the time you know you're still learning things in journalism despite being a codger you know I mean you're you're kind of you know you're, you're, you're not a codger like me you're not the first flush of youth either you're learning all the time also, I, mean, you know,
0: and, uh, I don't come on here to get spoken to like that <laughs>
1: <laughs> Better men than me smoking you like that, <laughs> no, I mean, the simple truth of is Callum must have been looking at times and thinking, dear God, how do I stop this? What do I do here? I've tried everything. He'd be sitting at night, you know, waking up at night, scratching his head. So the key thing is he stopped at immediate rot, you know? and I think kind of what... It, there's little point in dwelling on the game itself. I mean, you know, man, I, I, I've watched the highlights a couple of times. It never tells you the entirety. Sitting at Tardis, the local guys... Open the press box uh, in the press gantry area. we all kind of, you know, keeping an eye you know, on, on social media and all the rest of what was going on because it, it was a big, big game. It was a game neither, neither club, I think, could afford to lose. That was the first thing. But from a Saints perspective, you're looking to see how kind of, you know, the newcomers, if you want, did the, clearies, the, the the you know, the Butterfields, McPherson, who's signed Chief Chi, who, who kind of pulled up very, very early and You're looking to see whether these guys are going to make the kind of impact that is now required to pull Saints into this very, very deep hole that they are in, along with Dundee, you know, for the rest of of the season. Um, It's slightly the better of it in in terms of stats. Not, you know, not that there was much in it. I mean, I think, you know, um, the stat 53 to 47. So, I mean, not a great deal. A pretty evenly... um, kind of lined up pair of teams both struggling for their very existence in the Premiership but he will at least be pleased, Callum, that they've stopped the rot initially. You know, that they've put the put the mockers on that long, long run of, of, of defeats. I mean, I, you know, To kind of slightly broaden it, I still look at Saints and wonder how the hell they've got themselves into this situation. We know, you know, the stuff with the two transfers and all rest. We know all that. And and, and I, I think that we can quite clearly see that had a major, major impact. But there are still players about that club you know that, that mean to me that they shouldn't should have done be far in, ah, They should not be in the position they're in. So a lot of this comes down to kind of mentality. Um, you know, to well, in fact, to, to be honest, most of it I think comes down to mentality. Some comes down to kind of injuries and suspensions and all the rest of it. But the mentality of the game, I think, in terms of confidence and all the rest of it, is a huge thing. And. I mean, I, I did watch, uh, you know, the, um, some of the pundits on, uh, on telly in midweek saying, you know, the, 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 there is a kind of an element, I think that any sports psychologist will, will tell you this, in any sport, not just football, but there comes a stage, I think, where you're going through a bad kind of run of results and, and loss of form and all the rest of it, where it almost becomes crippling. You know, players don't want the ball, they want to pass the ball when they do get it as quickly as possible and not necessarily accurately, they just want shot of it, it becomes the proverbial hot potato and it does, I mean that, that's a fact of life in any situation, you know whether you're kind of doing your motorbike test as I was the other day, I passed by the way I'm sure, <laughs> oh, you, oh, sure right, you saw yeah, that on Twitter yeah, but um, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you, you can be you, you can be crippled by nerves at any age whether you're an 18 year old footballer or a 38 year old footballer, I mean you know it's, it's how you handle all of that stuff and the longer defeat goes on, the longer it preys on your mind when the training's over, when the you know the the kickabout training and you're you know on the way home in the car with the boys or wherever, and then you're on your own and things start to permeate through the mind, and you think and you overthink, you know. Um and I think that's probably the situation that, that the Saints and Dundee have been in that, that you know you get yourself in that long run of defeats and you cannot see a way to get out of it. And and it starts to prey on the mind. It's all fine until they build up, and they're quite confident, that they're talking to the media guys like us and all the rest of it. Then you cross that white line, and boom—you know, it's all very well saying it. Well, you, everything goes out of your mind when you're on the white line, but psychologically, it doesn't. And the brain's a powerful tool. You get that ball you want, shot of it as quickly as possible. You make the wrong decisions. You make bad decisions. You make too quick decisions. Um, so, you know, when you even take something like a point from a particularly a big derby game against Dundee, when you take a point, psychologically, you think, "Wow, we've just stopped that rot." Uh, that that long run of defeats and that I think will be very uh, be important for both clubs, you know. But but certainly for Saints being the home side on the night and the situation that, that you know Callum has found himself in, um, going from being a double cup winner to this incredible run of results, which has seen them, you know, kind of hanging on for a grim, grim life at the bottom, or a grim death at the bottom. Um, that that will have been actually a very very big point indeed, and hopefully can kick them on now. I think
0: uh, the point Sean made there bef- before he had to leave us was was a was a very good one when he was talk when he mentioned Dan Cleary and I, I was he, I li- I loved and I don't know you can overplay this but I, I loved his his pre match press conference because here was a guy that's clearly I mean he you know he could have found his I'm sure the the deal was agreed December but because it was it was Ireland's closed season. But I think this, this is a guy... He he could have found a way to get out of that deal if he'd wanted to, you know, if once he'd seen Saints fall at the bottom of the league. But he's come over from Ireland, and, you know, I spoke to to Graham Cummins before he signed, saying, like, this is a guy that will be well-paid at Dundalk. He's very, very highly respected in his Irish league. He's a very good... He'll, he's got a really successful career ahead of him in Ireland. Comfort zone. Lives in Dublin. Young family. Doesn't need to do this. Doesn't need to challenge himself. But he's come over here and then on the back of what happened at Kelty, he's been the man that's done the press conference and he's been asked questions and he's basically said, No, I'm not gonna accept uh it's not throwing anybody on the bus, but he, he said, "Like I'm you know, if there's low standards, I'm gonna raise standards and bring people with me type thing. And, you know, no, this this has to you know, basically not speaking like a guy that's you know, you or I might imagine if you've walked into in our line or what if you've worked in a job for a couple of weeks, you think, oh, you ease yourself in. You know, there's a seniority in a dressing room, there's a pecking order. Am I the one that should be speaking type thing? Saints had a, a player only debrief after Kelty and he was one of the ones to speak. So I think Callum Davison will have absolutely loved that because, you know, you've spoken about the, the difficulty of January signings. It's about the character, about the players that they get in, in January as much as anything. So you've got him, you've got, by all accounts, the other Irish centre half, they've got another highly rated one who is spoken of in that sort of warrior type way, you know, by all accounts, taking no prisoners on the training ground. This is exactly what St. Johnson needs just now, isn't it? To, to shake them out of this, you know, just to you know, this sort of nightmare that's crept up on them, you know, to say, you know, these these, these big strong personalities, that's that's music to my ears when I hear stuff like that Jim
1: yeah uh, <coughs> I mean d- d- dressing rooms and he
0: backed you, it up on, on, yeah. and he backed up on Wednesday night by all accounts as well uh,
1: absolutely and I think that, you know d- d- dressing rooms are, are, are the, the one place that you know that I mean I've, I've said this before on the podcast you know yourself and myself are in a, a privileged position you know we get access to players and managers and all the rest of it and we can phone them and chew the fat and all the rest of it but the dressing rooms are the one place that's still sacrosanct I hate, I hate these reality TV shows where you get access to the dressing room I don't like it I've Always yeah, thought that it's
0: so false, there are certain it? areas
1: yeah. that should just be absolutely off, off, off limits. And and the dressing room is one of them where sometimes, you know, where joys and sadnesses and all the rest of it kind of you know um co terminus you know they, they coagulate um but the truth of the matter is a lot of hard words a lot of hard um, words are spoken in dressing rooms as well i mean it's you know it's no place for a shrinking violet particularly when a club are on the run that are in um <coughs> and, f- and f- football's a competition Eric. it's a competitive sport it's 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 11 men if it's women it's women but it's 11 men against 11 men or it's a squad against a squad you know so um things will things will happen that that sometimes need to be addressed, and they need to be addressed in very harsh terms. And if you're a shrinking violet or if you're a member of the woke brigade, then playing football probably isn't for you, because sometimes really, really hard truths have to be told, which you might not like, and none of us like to look at ourselves in the mirror. And <coughs> undoubtedly, you know, um, Saints players have looked in the mirror, and some uh Will not have liked what they've seen, uh, and some who have come in just like Cleary will not have liked what they've seen uh, either. but Not from himself, and if he's having to tell and if he's having to stand up to be counted at this very early stage, it indicates that, that, that standards have you know fallen from the previous great high of winning two cups uh, to the situation they're at the minute. I mean, let's be let's be blunt, you know, um, this is a side that won two cups and suddenly find themselves in a long run of defeats, bottom of the league. Something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong, you know, and we saw after the Kelty the game, I mean, was the, the word that was used was toxic <coughs> towards Callum and his players, when they run the gauntlet, you know, down towards the, the dressing room, I think it was the drill hole that, that, that we're, they were in, so things could not have gone much worse uh, for Saints, and what you need now is the big characters to stand up, you know, and, and it looks like Cleary is going to be one of these guys, that he's going to address the realities, um, talk honestly, talk frankly, and talk tough. Um, obviously, you know, all of that can be done and it can still be poor on the pitch. Um, It'll be the next two or three games where you'll find out quite quickly whether or not that kind of tough-talking um, actually, has any impact? But I think that you, you know, Saints are in a situation where, frankly, there can't be enough tough talking. You need players who are prepared to address the situation on the pitch and off the pitch in the dressing room and tell it like it is. And he certainly, um, he's no shrinking violet. And I think that at the minute, that's exactly what Saints need.
0: And they've now got in um, Melker Halberg from from Hibs. I think it's always a good, it's always a good sign that I know that that. His name came out early in the transfer window and he's had to be patient and there have been sort of two or three other potential candidates for centre midfield. Ideally, he would have wanted to get him right at the start of the window, but the fact that he was his first target and he's eventually got him should bode well. Um, another, It's another type where he's, he's strengthening the spine of his team just now, isn't he? And centre midfield had been an absolutely glaring area. It's... Yeah, it's it's... It's big characters for a for a big sit for a for a for big problems. And you know, when you do see one sign up, I'm not gonna question I'm not gonna question the character of, say, uh an Alan Forrest who David Martindale made clear he didn't want to come to St Johnson because he didn't want to run the risk of, of potentially playing in the championship next season. Well, I guess you're better off finding that out before they come in, aren't you, Jim? Because you don't, you don't want somebody who, who you know, th- you want somebody to come in who knows exactly what he's coming in for and will take that challenge on because it's it's not for everybody, is it, Jim?
1: No, it's not for everybody, Eric, and and I have to say I, I would absolutely have no complaints whatsoever about, about a player who refused to to move on on that basis. I mean, bear in mind you, you're being asked to come to a club. Uh, particularly St Johnson but you know any club in in the situation Saints are in you know, running about the bottom of the league and all the rest of it Um, you know to leave a club that are doing well as you know as is the situation with with, with Halberg the Swede moving from Hibs who are doing very very well who are kind of aiming for top six as opposed to being you know relegation candidates I mean it's a big big it's a big big thought and that's why I have no problem with players fighting hard through their agents or whatever when it comes to you know quite often a, a move like this there'll be a clause for instance as I'm sure there would be with the likes of Saints where they'll be saying right okay Here's of clause, here's the terms, here's the wage, here's any bonus structure. There's a relegation clause. If you go down, you drop whatever, 20, 30, 40% of, of basic wage. I can understand why players would say, that'll be right. I'm not doing that. You know, I have no problem with that. What it does, though, indicate is when players are prepared to come uh, uh, to a new club who are in the situation that Saints are in or a Dundee are in or, or whoever, um, is that they want to play football you know, they're moving because they want to play football. So that's good. I mean, any player that moves at this stage, you know, my, you know, I'm fed up here myself saying it. I'm not a fan of the January window. I think unless you're paying a fee, as United did with Tony Watt, by and large, usually you're buying a player who's been injured, you're buying somebody who's out of somebody else's plans, who maybe is not as fit as they would want to be. It's not that you're buying necessarily a bad player. It's you're, you're buying them at the wrong time of year. Uh, sorry, you're not buying them. You're, you're signing them at the wrong time of year um, uh, very often. Um, so... In a situation like this where a guy actually wants to come and he's prepared to come to a, a club who are struggling like St. Johnson, that's great because it tells you a lot about the kind of individual. Um, because, you know, if he's has got a contract to join you, that's one thing to tell about a guy who's sitting who can pick his wages up until the summer, has nothing to gain. He wants to play football. So that, that that's that's the key thing, and at this stage, absolutely, what a St. Johnson need is somebody who wants to play and wants to prove wants to prove uh, themselves. So I think you know that looks on the face of it uh, like a, a good signing. Now you've got several new faces in at St. Johnson. The second, the second part of the season, if you want, is where it becomes absolutely crucial and key to see what, whether these guys can lift them out the absolute torpor that, that, that they've been in.
0: Yeah, which is why, which is why midweek was a must not lose, really, wasn't it? You know, because you know the, the five points, and then you're getting new signings on top of that. It's uh, yeah, it it almost feels as if, gosh, you know, you're thinking, is a, what sort of realistic shot have we got at this? But anyway, I mean, of course they could <laughs> they could go five points behind on Saturday. We just don't know. But it's Dundee done we turn on to next Jim. and and it's a wee bit less clear how it's gonna pan out in the end of the winter a, a couple of a couple of loose threads in particular. I mean the Lee Griffiths one, we're, we're not gonna go back into it because it's 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 been hanging it's been hanging in the air for ages. It needs to be sorted and surely it'll be well it will be sorted one way or the other uh within a, within a few days. But the Zach Rudden one's an interesting one as well. How how far would you how far would you push to get him in in, in january because he's not a guy that's proven at this level yet anyway um he's you know he's and he's not even he's not even prolific at the championship level how how much money would you throw at, at partick thistle to get him at Dens Park for the last few months of this season.
1: Well, it, it, it depends how much Dundee have got. Um, you know, it depends whether they've found money down the back of the sofa, whether Tim Keys has dipped into his, his kind of, you know, his wallet again. I mean, Tim Keys, I've, I've said this, you know, often on this this program and in writing my columns for the Courier. Tim Keys has backed Dundee. No one can complain uh, about that American owner. Tim Keys has, you know, has. He's been a quiet, understated owner at Dents Park. He leaves John Nelms to run the day-to-day stuff, and and he's backed the club. You know, the man has absolutely backed the club when they've uh, when they've needed to kind of dip in. He, he, he's he's found the cash and he's found the resources to do it. So, um, it, it, it's whether they're prepared to find that money, whether that money is available. I think they need to make all efforts to. Pull it out over the next couple of days. I mean, the the situation for Saints. I mean, I I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, I, I think there's um, you know, depending on not let clauses, that stop you. No, depending on the various clauses <laughs> in the contract, it depends what um, you know how, how much this sort will of end up having the bank of if, if he goes. But I mean, I, I like the boy. Anytime I've seen him, and it's not been that much, but anytime I've seen him, you know, he, he's a kind of ranger. He's, he's a he's got ball something. He's raw, ball, isn't you know, he's he? A, uh, he he's raw, but he, he, you know he's a scrapper. He's a battler. You know he's he's got the right kind of attitude about him. He's got the right temperament, I think, for for the game and. You know, all of a sudden you've got Chapman coming in to Denz. Niall McGinn, I like McGinn, a lot being made of the fact that I think Niall's 34 now. But you know you know, you know, my views on this, I and mean, you keep yourself fit, you still got the appetite. I, I think that's an irrelevance, you know. So, um, you know, add that to a reasonably decent squad at Denz. Anyhow, um, and we're not touching on the Griffiths thing again, which is just as well, because I, I, I just can't. I, and you know, I don't know at the stage of Dundee, or keep him, leave until the end of the season or not. And I have to kind of hold my hands up on this. I mean, you, you know, both yourself and Sean questioned my kind of rosy-eyed view of Lee Griffiths. And I suspect I was kind of thinking if they've got the guy that he was two, three years ago, they apparently haven't. They patently haven't now. Whether he can, you know, whether he can turn it around. I mean, I mean, you know, my view on it. I mean, I wrote this the other week with the Courier Call. I think um, him and, and Cummings have gone. I think they'll let James McPake down badly. A manager puts his faith in men. He's entitled to um to get more than he's had. when he's putting his neck on the line for people. I think uh, James McPake has got every right to feel bitterly disappointed in what he's had back from these sort of guys. Um, but that that, that that's a different chapter. What he does with them. I mean, the, the key thing is now he's getting uh, some new guys in. he's getting mm-hmm. Chapman and. He's got him again coming in. If, if you know, if John Nelms, who will do the deal, can find the money to bring Rodden in, and, you know, unless unless this will look for half a million pounds, I think they want to get that deal over the line as quickly as possible. The player wants to come. I think you know. I mean, I, I mean, in fact, I thought the deal was had pretty much been sealed, but not quite. Um, so they want to find the money, I think, to bring them in because they need to give themselves every, every opportunity now, uh, as do St. Johnson, to to save their bacon. Because they're, they're not, I mean, you know, one or both uh, of our clubs could go down here, Eric. I mean, to be honest, you you're looking at at the moment, the way things sit, I mean, Saints are now six points adrift to Ross County here in 10th, and Dundee are four points adrift, you know. So the, the, there's nothing between the, the two of them are, are, are the red-hot favourites at this stage to go down. I mean, they're there for a reason. They're there for the reasons that, A, they've shipped too many goals, they can't score enough goals um, and all the rest of it. So, every game now is a scrap, a battle, a bite to try and get what they can. And they need they need as many new faces in, but they need the right kind of faces in. They need the right kind of characters and they need the right kind of men who will scrap and fight and bite and for, for everything. And I think Rodden, you know, from what I've seen of Rudden, I like the boy. I think he's prob- probably got all the right attributes. So, you know, um, not far be it from me to tell John Nelson how to do his job, but I try and get that deal over the line before the window shuts.
0: Well, he could be making his debut in... Uh... In the Derby, Jim. There we go. Indeed. That'd be as good a time as any, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but listen, we'll skip. I mean, I think Dundee have got a very hard game on Saturday, actually. St. are I, I, I did feel they were in a bit of a false position before the break, and they're now starting to get the results after it. So, I mean, are you expecting them? A, are you expecting them to get to beat St. Myrna and B... I know it's hard to ask you this because we don't know how the results are going at the weekend. But what's your what's your thoughts at this stage going into the the derby to wrap things up?
1: <clears throat> well, um, th- 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 there's little doubt that United are the. Um, the forum team, if you want. I mean, that sounds almost bizarre given the run of defeats they were on, but they've won the last two on the bounce. Dundee are, uh, you know, are, are just are, are struggling for confidence. They're struggling for results. At the Derby, however, and, you know, we, we kind of get fed up here on ourselves saying this when Derby's come round. I mean, United historically have now got the better and have had for some time of these two. I'm never a great kind of fan of, of, of you know, what, what history shows us. It's all about the two teams on the night. Um, but by and large, United's league position indicates that you know they're, they're eleven points ahead of Dundee, so there's there's a lot less pressure on them for one thing, you know, and and that all relates to what we're talking about, you know, just earlier on in the podcast about what pressure does to players. You know, some players thrive in it, but a great many players don't, and and obviously Dundee's players haven't thrived in it because you know you miss you misplace passes, you make bad decisions, you make poor decisions, you're too quick in your decision making, all of these things. You you, you sometimes act rashly, um, but and in this particular game, of course, I mean, if United win it, then they go to, um, well, you know, depending obviously what happens, um, you know, uh, on Saturday's games. But, I mean, United already are 11 points ahead of Dundee. So it, it, I think it's highly unlikely Dundee are, uh, Dundee are going to catch United. It's not as though they're trying to catch United, or United on their sights. Dundee's sole mission at this stage is to drag themselves away from that second bottom position there. The, the, two, the two teams in their eye line are Ross County and Livingston. Not St. Martin. I mean, you know, St. Martin, who I think do have some very good players, and I like Goodwin as a manager, you know. Um, but they, 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 they're out of sight. You already. can make a case, you, you though. You this is argue. more
0: important than the next midweek, isn't it, Jim? Oh, well, can, I mean, I,
1: well, I think point. it's equally important. I think if, 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 if Dundee won this one, it gives them an enormous boost to go into the Tuesday game. It gives them a huge boost to go into Tuesday game. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, if if Dundee were to win it, if United were to come adrift at Parkhead, and there's every possibility of that, then it's done eight points. Dundee won the derby. It's down to five points. You know, so I mean, that—that's the nature of this league. I mean it, it, it looks unlikely to me that Dundee are going to catch United at this stage. But as I say, I don't think that's—that's that's not what this season is about. This season, I think for Dundee is about kind of—it's uh, about rediscovering the kind of you know. I mean, b- bear in mind, I mean, James McPate got them up. It's—it's been—it's always tough when you step up to the Premiership. I think it's about rebuilding the club, generally speaking. Uh, that—that's why I've got no truck um, albeit a minority, I've got no truck with it, those who, you know, we need to change manager. I think that would be an absolute act of folly um, and, and at St John's as well I have to say it. being th- those would be uh, two acts of complete madness to even contemplate that at this stage. This is about rebuilding the club and all the rest of it, but mainly it's about staying up the season because to rebuild the club as a, as a premiership club for a for the period to come, for the years ahead you really have to stay, you've got to stay in the league, that's, you know th- th- that's a, a, a series going on you have to stay in the league to do that and that's. That's all Dundee are really interested at the moment is saving saving their premiership status this season. So every every game becomes a battle. And that's why. You know, you want to get ridden, the likes are run in as quickly as possible. You hope that Chapman has got the qualities that you know that you've been advised on, about and him, yeah. on clips and all the rest of it. Um, and you and you hope and you pray that Neil McGinn has still some of those kind of qualities yeah. that that w- we can remember also oh well when he could be an absolute game changer um, at, at Aberdeen. So, i um, at this one, i will mean, be at Dens um, for this game, and it'll be a very very interesting one indeed. I mean, D- D- Dundee simply need everyone with a dark blue shirt on to give absolutely every ounce of commitment that they've got
0: good stuff jim and thank you very much indeed for this week's contributions and sean for the the part of the podcast he was able to be with us and thank you very much indeed for listening we'll be back next week thank you Bye bye.
2: if you like the podcast we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it or even better leave a review or a simple rating on itunes or wherever you find your podcasts All that really helps people to find talking football and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside
1: and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.